Day. All you fathers out there, and we gave you a little gift. Did you get that little gift? It's a level. You know why? Keep you on the straight and level. Yeah, but one of my favorite uh, sayings from my late father-in-law. There's cookies up here. Dave, you've lost one. You were tossing your cookies. <laughs> um, one of my favorite favorite sayings from my father-in-law would he would say, "You know how you tell a level-headed man?" By the bubble in the middle. Many of us are working on that bubble. And we are very proud of that bubble. <laughs> so enjoy that. Uh, but dads, um, we've learned a lot from you. And though you may not know it, we were listening when you said, straighten up and fly right. Two wrongs don't make a... Don't take any wooden. See, look. And I love the, the one again my father-in-law would say. He said, keep smiling. The early bird gets the... Right? Uh, <laughs> go ask your... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that one. If your friend jumped off a cliff, would you... <laughs> yeah. uh, work hard, play hard, pray much. Once you earn money, then you will value its worth how come every stinking light is on in the house? Yeah. Act your age. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> we know that God has placed you in our life um, to help us uh, most of the time. <laughs> Check out this video. David, I said don't get behind him. Get up, get up. Get up here in front of him. He's okay. No broken bones. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. You can be whatever you want to be. You want to be a loser, you'll be a loser. You want to be a winner, you'll be a winner. You want to be a big boy. You learn that when somebody says they're sorry, Being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view. The best thing you can do is find a person who loves you for exactly what you are. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. Now go have an adventure. As long as you keep your mouth shut for the rest of your life, you're in no immediate danger. Stop acting like an infant! You don't need permission from us to build bunk beds. You're adults. You can do what you want. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. You know something? Don't listen to me. I wish I could tell you what to do, but I just can't. That's okay. Well, from TV and movie dads, maybe not so much. But <clears throat> there are times that we should listen and we didn't. Like I remember so clearly uh, many, many years ago that uh, my dad would tell me, Mike, don't play with the cigarette lighter. You'll get burned. And, of course, I knew more than he did, and so I played with it, and it was all red and neat, and I just wanted to touch it, and I did, and smoke came up from my finger, and I learned a lesson the hard way. Now, you'd think that, after telling my own son that same exact story, 
one day I smelt burning flesh, looked in the rearview mirror, and I said, Josh, what are you doing? And he looked up, holding back tears, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> he had stuck his finger in the hot cigarette lighter. But there's sometimes that we really should listen to Dad and we don't, but listening is important, and especially when it comes to listening to our Heavenly Father. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived according to God, wrote some amazing proverbs, but also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, a, a treatise on life. And he says this in Ecclesiastes 5.1. He said, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. He ends the book with verse 13 of chapter 12. He says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter of life. Here is the most important thing in life. Fear God and keep His commandments. Listen to God, for this is the whole duty of man. And really, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is a a challenge to listen to God. And, And we can go all through the Bible and see the blessings of listening to our Heavenly Father. Noah listened to God when it didn't even rain and yet built this amazing ark in his backyard. People laughing at him, and they weren't laughing anymore when the rain came. Nehemiah listened to God, and against all odds and against the criticism, built the wall back around Jerusalem. David uh, listened to God and slew giants, and Daniel and Gideon and Esther, and we can go on and on all through Scripture of the, the benefits of really listening to God. The Bible also reveals the consequences of not listening to God. Jonah created a whale of a problem. Achan was truly Achan as the ground opened up and swallowed him and his family for not listening to God. You see, we can either enjoy the benefits of listening to God or suffer the consequences. And we're thankful for those who've listened to God and and we've been blessed and benefited by that. I think of just even in ministry of the, uh, the wonderful reality of what's happening in China, even today, started because a young man named Hudson, Hudson Taylor, listened to God to go into inland China. Or I think of a, a man who encouraged even my own life, uh, uh, though I didn't make a decision in his crusade, I, I've been challenged and encouraged by him constantly. A young man by the name of Billy Graham listened to God and began to create crusades all around the world and thousands probably close to millions have come to Christ because of his listening to God. And the same can happen to each one of us as we hear God, as we listen to what he says for us, because we will either suffer the consequences of not listening or, uh, to God's wisdom or enjoy the benefits. But listening to God is vital. It's important. It is a must-do on the journey of life. That's why Luke, Dr. Luke, as he wrote the Gospel of Luke, again brought out one of Jesus' reach deep teachings that we should listen to God the Father. Jesus taught this truth in a very interesting parable that's found in Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to that. Or if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have them in their hands and they'd love to loan you one. Just raise your hand and they'd be happy to give you one. Uh, I'm just going to tell you the story. We'll read most of it later on. But the story is found in Luke chapter 15. uh, Jesus was there and, and in the audience there was a number of people who were the worst of sinners because he was being criticized for that, uh, talking and spending time with sinners. And then there was the, the holy righteous people, sometimes so righteous they couldn't even see that they were not. And Jesus says, let me tell you a story. He told a couple others, and then he ends with this one. It's a story of, of 
two sons. And some have called it the story of the prodigal son, but it's really about two sons and their father. Uh, they're both living with their father. He's obviously a wealthy man, has many servants. And, and, and the, the younger son says to the father, I don't want to wait till you're dead. I want my half of the inheritance right now. Well, the father obliges and gives him half his wealth, and the young son takes off, not to go and create more business, but he actually goes to another country. He goes there, and the Bible says he squanders it on loose living. Well, the money runs out, and the friends are gone. And he's left hungry, and he tries to get work, and finally he finds work, which would be a total uh, uh, worst thing possible for any Jew. He was there to tend pigs and feed them and take care of them. And, and he was so hungry as he saw the pig slop there, he, he wanted to eat it himself, but they wouldn't allow him to do so. Well, he came to his senses, the Bible says. He had his aha moment. And he realized, you know, in my father's house, even the lowliest of servants have more than I do. I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to go back to his house. And I, I'm just going to let him know that I've sinned against him and against God. And, and if you take me back just as one of your hired servants, that would be fine. So he makes up his mind and he sets home. And, and the story goes back to the father who probably was watching every day, looking down on the horizon, down the path, hoping that someday his son would come. Well, this was the day. He saw a figure off in the distance and kind of squinted his eyes probably and noticed that it was the shape of his son and the same kind of walk and cadence his son would have. And it seemed a little lower, a little slumped over, or maybe a little more humble and Yet he, something welled within his heart and he, he, he couldn't stand it any longer. He jumped off the porch and began to ran towards his son and, and he braced his son and kissed him and put a robe on him and shoes and a ring and brought him back into the house and said, it's time for a party. We're going to celebrate because the son that once was lost is now found and I just can't help but celebrate. Well, the news of all of this kind of spread out throughout his whole uh, land and and one of the servants uh, came to the older brother who was out tending the field, probably uh, working a little extra harder because the young son was gone and, and heard what was happening, and he was incensed. How can this be celebration when this young son uh, defames the name of our family and, and goes out and just squanders it on loose living? And he says, no, I'm, I'm not going into the party. Well, the father went out to him as well and said, you know, son, all I have is yours. It's all yours. You've served me well. But this brother of yours, who once was lost, is now found, and we, I had to celebrate. Please come in. And then the story ends. We don't know whether he really comes in or not. But in this, Luke gives us uh, three actions to assure we listen to God the Father. And so I'm praying that you would listen to God the Father. But before we get into this, if you wouldn't mind standing with me one more time, and let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for just uh, great stories of the Bible, and, and, and this one in particular, which has just been so, uh, so many lessons we can learn from it, Father. But I pray this morning that as we look at this subject of listening to you, that you would invade our minds and our hearts and help us to hear what you want us to hear this morning. I know there's something for each one of us here. So God, work through uh, this word at this time and teach us, we pray in your son's name. Amen. You may have a seat and I encourage you to take out the outline that you were given as you came in. Just fold it over. There's some blanks there to fill in. The answers will be up on the board, uh, on the screen there. So I encourage you to jot those down and plus the extra verses that we talk about. Three actions to assure we listen to God the Father. The first is to absorb love. 
to absorb God's love. Each of the boys in the story lived under the father's roof, under his love. And we get a glimpse of the father's kindness as he provided for his servants, as the younger son noted in verse 17. That even the the lowliest of servants have food on their plate and extra. We know that this father cared for his servants, that he had a heart of compassion. And as verse 20 says in Luke 15, he, he got up the younger son and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now that was unheard of in in that part of the world in that time. No dignified father would ever run anywhere. He had servants to run for him. But this man, so full of compassion, and and, uh, Stephen and I were talking to um, uh, someone from Biola the other day, and they said they'd heard an interesting insight about this passage, that the father was running out to see the son to protect him. Because if he came back unprotected, the family and the servants would probably pummel him to death because he defamed the father's name. But this this father had such great compassion on this son that he did what was unheard of, out of the norm, so full of compassion that he could not believe his son would come back, forgave him instantly. As well, in verse 28, this loving father did not pull the authority card and demand the boy's action, but went out to the older son and pleaded with him to join the celebration, to join the family time. Now, the interesting thing about love is that unless you take it in, unless you receive it, unless you absorb it, it has no effect on you. It's kind of like, a, kind of like lotion, or, or better, maybe in the summertime, which someday will come to our fair part of the world. The sun will come out, <laughs> and we're going to need sunblock. But you know, just to take the sunblock with you doesn't do any good. You can even make it in a little thing and wear it around your neck. It still doesn't do any good, right? It only does good when you what? You apply it. Put it on yourself. That's when it does some good. Well, it goes the same way with God's love. Unless you apply it, unless you absorb it, it does no good. It's great to know about it, but we have to bring it in. See, God's love is readily available as creator, as sovereign, almighty God. He has a vast love for each one of us. He knows all about us. Every feature, every detail, every thought, every experience, every feeling. There is nothing, there is no one who will love you more than God does. Not a single one. He loves you completely and wonderfully. And yet to experience it is to absorb it. How do we absorb God's love two ways. First is to believe it. It's like a, a couple uh, spending time together and they, they begin to uh, like each other a little more and then a little more and pretty soon they're professing their love to each other. And, and somewhere around that time, they want to now spend the rest of their life together because they believe in that love wholeheartedly. They believe it's a, it's a love that will last it's been fun in our home to watch that happen. It's been fun as a church family to watch that happen to some eight-plus couples this summer to see them fall in love and then come to that point where they want to live with each other for the rest of their lives in, in holy marriage. But that same way goes with us and God. And yet the truth is something stands in the way from us really absorbing in God's love. Uh, most of you know about what that is. It's, the Bible calls it sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. It's not just doing the heinous things in life. 
It's a condition we're born into, and then we simply add to it all of our life. And this sin stops us from really absorbing and, and coming to that close personal relationship with God. Now, many of you have taken care of that sin. You've come to that place in your life where you recognize you're sinful and that you need a Savior because we can't get rid of the sin ourselves. We can't try to get rid of it by doing good works or, or memorizing the Bible or giving our money or, or serving constantly. That doesn't get rid of our sin. There's only one way, and that's through the belief in a Savior, and that's why we believe in Jesus. And many of you have come to that place in your life where you've believed in Jesus. You've made a confession that you're sinful and a confession that Jesus is your Savior, and you've made a confession to live life His way. And yet, even in that way, sin can still affect our relationship with God, not that we lose our salvation, but as we don't sense the closeness of God in our life, because in a sense, when we sin after we have initially believe, we turn our back on God. And we decide, I don't want to go his way, I want to go my way. And so we go away like the prodigal. We go out of our Father's love, out from under him. And we go live it however we want to. And yet to experience God's love is to turn around and to turn back to God like the prodigal did and to come and to live life his way. In both the parable, the father went out to both of the boys. One recognized and absorbed that love. The, the other, we don't know. We don't know what happened. I think the Lord left it that way so that we would be thinking what we would do. But the truth is, God comes out after each one of us. And I believe that you're here not by your own choice, but by a divine providence. God wanted you here to hear that message that He's coming out for you that he wants you to experience his love. He wants you to, to absorb it in and soak it in, to believe in it. Do that and you are listening to God. The other way to absorb God's love is to identify with it. This young son put on a robe, a ring, and some shoes, all symbols of identifying with the father. It's like the, the wedding rings that, that some of us wear who are married. I love that part in the wedding because the the young man will look into the young woman's eyes and he'll take that wedding ring and he'll place it on her finger and I have them look into each other's eyes and I say, repeat after me, I give you this ring as a symbol of my abiding love. I ask that you wear it so that all may know that we are one. It's that wonderful, and he slips that ring on his finger and there's you know, twinklings in their eyes and it's all a wonderful scene. And, and yet, how we identify with Jesus is, yeah, through that initial belief, but then we identify with him by loving him back, as, as Luke uh, 11 challenges us. We, but also by loving others, as, as John 13, uh, 35 says to us that we should love one another. And as Luke 14 says, to, to be sacrificial in our love towards other people and towards God. Those are identifiers uh, to Jesus' love. And when we identify with him, we are close to him and more likely to hear from him. So be absorbed with God's love. Soak it in. Apply it. Because you are incredibly special to God. Believe it. Identify with him. And you will hear God a lot clearer. The next action to assure we are listening to God the Father is to wear humility. To clothe ourselves with a humble attitude, actions, and character. And that's exactly what the younger son did. Three things to note that help us wear humility. The first is to turn from the I syndrome. You know that condition in life where I want what I want when I want it. 
It's all about me, my, I. I want my ideas heard, my ways followed, my, I want to be in charge, my needs met, people to notice me, my work, my accomplishments, myself. It's like this younger brother. He said, give me my inheritance. And what did he do with it? Help people? Be a good philanthropist? Be a good steward or manager over to make more money for the family? No. You can read what he did in verse 13. It says, Not long after that, the young son got together all he had and sent off for a distant country. You ever wonder why he went to a distant country? Probably because people around his own town knew him. And there was some accountability there. And isn't it interesting that when people drift from God, they kind of lose their old Christian friends. They stop coming to church because there's accountability there. There's distance there. But he went off to another country and he squandered it, his wealth, on wild living or loose living, as other translations say. And being eye-focused is our natural tendency unless we choose to turn from it. Look at where this, this eye disorder got this young man. Verse uh, 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe fa- famine in the land in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, when he said that, when Jesus said that, as he's telling the story, the people in the audience went, oh, oh, some spit on the ground. Can't believe it. That's the worst thing possible you could do as a Jew to go and tend for pigs. He longed to fill his stomach, it says, with the the pods, the pig slop that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. I don't know if any of you have been around pigs, but pigs are not cute. I mean, the little piglets, maybe. The older ones, definitely not. (laughs) And they smell bad. And the stuff they eat, even worse. To think that he wanted to eat that stuff? (laughs) But sure, you know, living for yourself is fun for a while. But the fun ends. It does every time we seek self. You know, a lot of philosophies in our day, even even Christian circles, say look out for yourself. Look out, please yourself. Care for yourself. Uh, Do whatever makes you look cool or trendy or is unconventional or or sets you up to be noticed. But that's not what God's Word says. Look at 1 Corinthians right here, verse 10, 31. Let's read it out loud together. So what, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of self. No, I didn't say that, did it? It says for the glory of God. And, and it says whether you eat or drink, whatever you do. You know what that word means, whatever you do in the Greek? It means whatever you do. <laughs> it means all of your actions. Life is to please God. Where God's purposes are paramount, where what He wants is dominant, where He is noticed. Where God is more important than self, where His purposes don't just trump mine, they are mine. And my individuality is expressed not in being unconventional or original in action, but in closeness with God. Because there is no relationship like your relationship with God. We're each individuals. We each relate to God in a slightly different way, and it's original. No one can have a relationship like you do with God. That our connection with God is unique and deep and personal. 
where we actually care what God wants and seek to listen through both his word and through the thoughts he put in our mind. Now, I don't know if this story is true, but it illustrates a good point. Uh, There was a young man who was having a Bible study similar to this one about listening to God. And as he got in his car, he prayed, you know, Lord, I I really want to hear your voice. I really want you to speak to me. Help me to discern that and, and, and listen to you. And so he drove off as he was driving home. And as he was driving home, he got this crazy thought in his mind. Go buy a gallon of milk. Well, that's a strange thought, but maybe it's God. <laughs> so he pulled in the first convenience store. He pulled in there, got a gallon of milk, and got back in his car, started up, head, started to head home. And all of a sudden, he had another thought. Turned down 7th Street. 7th Street, that's not nowhere near home. And he said, okay, well, maybe, it, maybe it's God. I don't know, maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me, but I'll go ahead and follow it anyways. And so he pulls over, turns down 7th Street, and as he's halfway down the street, this thought came in him, pull over and go up to that house over there, the dark one. <laughs> one with no hardly any lights on. He's going, oh man, now I know my mind's playing tricks on me, but hey, I'll go ahead and, and, and give it a shot anyway. So he goes over there, gets out of his car, and begins to walk up on the stairway, the, the veranda there, to the, to the uh, holding his gallon of milk to the house, and all of a sudden a screen door flies open, and this guy in broken uh, English and Spanish says kind of, what do you want? And, and he was kind of dumbfounded, so he just kind of reaches out the ha- gallon of milk and said, this is for you. <laughs> the guy's eyes just went, like this and he didn't say anything he grabbed the milk and he ran back into the house yelling out some kind of Spanish words as he was going back to the back room well just a few minutes later his wife comes out crying crying and and in broken Spanish and English says you are an angel (laughs) we had just finished praying that God would send us some food for our baby now like I said I don't know if that story is true but I do know that God does speak I, I was a youth pastor many many years ago and and one of my students called me up and said, Mike, my sister Katie is, just ran away. I don't know what to do. So I prayed with her on the phone and hung up, and then I just felt like God said to me, go try to find her. I mean, I kind of knew where Katie lived, and so I, uh, uh, I, I took out off my car and I started driving around. I didn't see anything. I'm going, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why do I do these things? And I pulled into the 7-Eleven, kind of looked around there, didn't see that, and I was getting ready to go home, which was turning right, and then all of a sudden I just felt like almost he grabbed the wheel you know <laughs> I turned left and I turned left and I pulled into the, to school and parked the car and there was Katie um, God does that God speaks if we're listening when we wear humility and we turn from that eye syndrome God speaks the question is will you the next help to wear humility is to throw aside entitlement Both of these kids felt entitled that something was owed to them. The younger one just claimed it right away. I want half of what's mine. The older one wanted life his way, the way he thought it should be. Uh, He had drawn a box about how life should act, and that's what he thought should happen. And it wasn't, and he felt entitled to, to hold it to himself. And we can get that way in our life and with God, that he owes us something or that life owes us something and yet we actually deserve nothing all over scripture romans 3 philippians 3 say that we deserve nothing actually we deserve wrath and until we throw aside entitlement we will not hear god look at uh, this young man as he throws aside entitlement in verse 17 it says when he came to his senses 
he had that aha moment in life. He said, how many of my father's hands have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. And so he got up and he went to his father. He had that that aha moment because he realized his entitled life that he was living, that he deserved, was not the best, was not fulfilling, was not helpful, was not of value. He was choosing to close himself now with humility. And so the question is, will you? And then the ultimate display of humility to do what this young man did is to move under another's authority. This young man placed himself under his father's authority, for he noticed that even his father's slaves were more free than he was. See, to listen to God is to move under his authority. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I lived in the body, I lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because of what Christ did for me, we subject ourselves and live under the authority of God. It's giving over all of ourselves to God, our will, our passions, our dreams, and our directions. For life lived under God's authority is fantastic, the best ever. Sure, there are difficulties, but the support and love and provision is amazing and incredible. And you will hear God. So to wear humility is to turn from the eye syndrome, the throw aside entitlement, to move under God's authority. Do that and you will certainly hear God. The last action to assure we are listening to God is to remain with God. And I've asked my son, my only son, in whom I am well pleased to come and to share that last point with you. Uh, Josh is not only my son, but he is a recent graduate of Biola University with his... With his uh, bachelor's in biblical studies and he probably uh, right now knows way more greek than i do but take it away josh thank you good morning so the last action that we have to show that we are people reaching deep and listening to god is to remain with god Uh, one thing that's essential to to realize as we look at how to remain with god is to realize that god desires us for uh, for us to remain with him in the story of the prodigal son the father um literally runs out to his son. He had to have been waiting for him to see him from a long way off. He embraces him, he kisses him, he clothes him, um, and he blesses him. As we continue to look at the prodigal son in Luke 15, we can understand two truths about how we are to listen to God and remain with him. The younger son um, shows this, and so does the older son, but in um, contrasting views. Remaining with God requires continual reprioritizing. In the first example, the younger son lowered himself and returned to being under the father's authority. In the very beginning of the story, the younger son puts himself first. He takes his inheritance and leaves. Later, he realizes um, the problem with that. He returns to his father and returns under his authority. In contrast, the older son um, worries about his own entitlement. He replaces his father as a priority. Um, As his father says, he was always with him and instead feels injustice, decides his entitlement is a higher priority. And thus we see that his priorities are unaligned with his father's. 
This continual action of reprioritizing is easy to fall askew. For that reason, it's a continual action of reprioritizing. I don't know about you, but whenever I feel as if my life is falling apart, as if I'm overwhelmed, stressed, or unhappy, I later realize that I've misaligned my priorities. And most of the time, I put myself in the position of number one priority as opposed to God. Uh, even last night, I was very frustrated at work. I had, a, I had a really rough night. I was furious. I was walking around frustrated with a scowl on my face because I felt like I was being un, treated unjustly by my bosses. Um, I work at a, a restaurant. I'm a server there, and I felt like I wasn't being compensated properly for the work they were asking me to do. As I was driving home, still frustrated at the night, I realized um, how stupid I was being. I wasn't being sensitive to God's desires for me in my workplace, but rather I was being sensitive to my own desires, namely to make money. And the thought crossed my head for a moment, just maybe God didn't have me working there that night um, to make money, to make good tips, but rather to do his work. And I was really frustrated with myself afterwards, realizing the missed opportunities I could have had to speak in, in, in the co-workers' lives at that time. Because of situations like this, I wrote my priorities um, on a list um, about a year back that I keep on my bedpost. On the priorities, my number one priority is God. Spending time with Him, praying with Him, reading His Word. I have other priorities that follow that, but I make sure that I daily align myself in the morning and at night with those priorities because it's a continual battle and it's easy to fall astray from it. Remaining with God by reprioritizing takes discipline. Not only do we need to align our priorities and have God as number one, His kingdom first, we need to have our priorities line up with His. This takes reading His word and praying and obedience, acting upon the discipline. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In order to find out His commandments, we need to read His word and listen to Him in that way. And we need to be involved in that daily to renew ourselves in that, in that commandment. This also takes molding ourselves to align with his character. His word is a great uh, way to find out God's character. Reading through the Old Testament and the rest of the Bible, we see his love, his compassion, his grace. Um, and a perfect example of someone who's lived out this life as a full human is Jesus Christ, who's exhibited his characteristics to the fullest. In order to listen to God and hear him in our lives, we need to put him first because you continue to listen to someone who you value. This makes it necessary that we continually seek right relationship with him. Not only are we able to remain close to the Father by the foundation we have built on Jesus Christ, but we are continually brought into the right relationship and remain close to him as we become more like him. For this, we need to listen to what his right character traits are and align ourselves to those. In Colossians 3, verse 5, Paul says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. But instead, he later says in verse 12, So as you have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should forgive them. And above all of these things, put on love, which binds together in perfect unity. If we exhibit these characteristics of love, compassion, of kindness, 
then we bind ourselves to God and are unified with him and we remain with him. The more we listen to the Father, the more we become like Christ, who remains in an intimate relationship with the Father. Exhibiting these characteristics and putting our priorities in line with his, putting him as number one, brings us closer to God. If remaining close to God takes continual reordering of our priorities, then remaining with God means continual celebration. When the prodigal son returned in the story in Luke 15, he was able to celebrate with his father. His father threw a grand party for him. In contrast, we see the older son unwilling to attend the party um, because his priorities aren't in line with his father's. In verse 15, I mean Luke 15, um, chapter 15, verse 28, it says, talking of the older son, but he became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. Later on in verse 32, it says, the father speaking to the older son, but we had to celebrate and rejoice, for your brother, the brother of yours, was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has now been found. When we remain with God, we are able to gain access to the abundant joy and blessing that he gives in our lives. There's so much celebration waiting for us when we remain close to the Father. When we listen to other factors in our lives besides God, whether they be fears, desires, or what have you, things fall apart. There's not fulfillment. We're not living up to our potential. You see, it's not unhealthy for us or unfortunate for us just because our priorities dictate our, how, our, how we live each day um, if we don't live for God. But we don't live up to our very nature as humans to do the will of the, of the Father. God created us as mankind in the garden um, on the sixth day, speaking of mankind, for his purposes. He told Adam and Eve what he had, what he had dictated that they wanted to, or what he wanted them to do. In the thousands of years since then, nothing has changed. That is why there's so much celebration and joy in being in God's will. As humans, as a species, we were created for God's will and for us to do exactly what he designed us to do. Jesus is the perfect example of this. We are abundantly more successful as humans and pleasing to God if we remain close to him and thus live the way he intended us to. When we listen to God and remain close to him and close to his purposes, he blesses us accordingly. I was thinking back, um, just recently I've been reading through numbers in my Bible studies, my own time with God. Um, it worked out perfectly as my dad uh, asked me to share this Sunday um, and speak alongside him, thinking back to the case of uh, Israel after the Exodus. If you think back to Israel, um, as they're in the desert, many people began to doubt God. Specifically, in Numbers 14, God's people are shown the land that they were promised. Only few remain close to God's purposes and remain with God and trust Him. Caleb and Joshua recognized the land as good from God. The rest of the congregation and the rest of the spies that went out to examine the land grumble and are cursed by God. Joshua and Caleb have listened to the Father and remain with him, have aligned their priorities to put God first, despite the pull to be frightened and doubt. Their priority is to trust God rather than their own comfort. 
God speaks of uh, Israel and Caleb in Numbers 14, 22 through 24. Surely all men who have seen my glory and my signs which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test ten times, have not listened to my voice. They shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of them who spurn me see it. But my servant, Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him to the land which he entered, and his, des- his descendants shall take possession of it. You see, remaining with God takes continual reprioritizing. We are to seek him daily above everything else. This is brought about by constant discipline, obedience, and doing what God tells us to do. It's necessary that we use the powerful tool that God has given us to align ourselves to him and to remain with him. It's his word, the Bible. If you want to listen to God and hear his voice, it starts by reading his word to recognize it. I know there have been many times I myself have prayed, pleading with God that he would speak louder to me. In order for you to recognize God's voice among all the other voices in the world, you need to be able to read his word to discern it. What's beautiful about this picture is that remaining with God also necessitates continual celebration. It is a cause for blessing in our lives and abundant joy, more so than is brought about by any fleeting thing. In the case of the prodigal son, all those other things perished, his money, his estate, his entitlement, and he crawls back to the father where he was abundantly joyful and blessed. In the same way, when we tap into our intention as uh, the intention of our humanity, which leads to celebration, we accept that wonderful blessing from God and their celebration both on the part of ourselves and even more so on the part of the Father. Amen. Thanks, Josh. Joshua and Caleb. Actually, that's Joshua's namesake is Joshua. Strong and courageous and full of wisdom. I know you got that from your mom. But listening to God is important. It's absorbing it in, believing it and and identifying with it. It's wearing that humility, turning aside from that eye syndrome to uh, coming under the Father's authority to to being there with God, to uh, enjoying Him and to remaining close to Him. That's what it means to listen to God. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you... Or like the prodigal where you're distant from God and need to turn back around and, and come under and absorb into, his, into, him, into yourself his love or whether you're like the older brother who's still outside not celebrating because you've got your life all ordered up and it's not meeting your expectations. Or maybe you're, you're in there enjoying God and just the encouragement is to keep listening. But I encourage you right now as we move into a time of prayer, we call it our garden of prayer, that you would uh, spend some time talking to God and maybe even a a few moments listening to what God is saying to you. We have a time in our service we call our Garden of Prayer. There's prayer team members and pastors and elders and they take positions around the auditorium. Some will be up front here, some along the sides in the middle and all around there moving right now. And these people are here because they love you and they would love to pray with you about anything that's on your heart and mind. Uh, Like I said, maybe you want to talk to God yourselves and just just, um, listen. That's fine too. But to make it easy for those who do want to get up, you all stand. 
and let's spend this time. If you would like to have someone pray with you, for sure, come to one of us and we'd be happy to, to stand with you and pray. But let's spend some time talking and listening to God.